Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in to the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to our book study of the book of Colossians. We are in chapter 2. Last week, we finished up with chapter 1. It's been a really amazing series so far. And it, as we go through this very slowly, we start to see some very important details emerge. And if you notice, the slower you go, the more you actually pick things apart, study it, and understand it. So last week, we went over verses 21 through 29. And just to recap, verses 21 through 29, we talked about how we have been alienated and hostile towards God in our former way of life before Christ, and that we are talking a lot about reconciliation. And if you recall, reconciliation is being made friendly or made peace with a certain party. So we have been reconciled to God through Christ's death on the cross. And now, through that sacrifice, through our faith in Him by His amazing grace, in verse 22, it said that he is going to present us holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. And that, my friends, is, is, is such an amazing promise. And one of the things we also went over is the mystery of God, which is Christ in us. And we're going to see a little bit of that again today in the beginning of chapter 2. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and start in the second chapter. So Colossians 2, we're going to go 1 through 15. Let's go ahead and read this text. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are in Laodicea. And for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless... I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, 
having triumphed over them through him. Okay, that was a lot there. That was a lot of verses, 15 verses in total. Let's go ahead and without any further delay, let's go ahead and get this started. So let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for those who have not personally seen my face. I'm going to start off by saying this. It's, we're kind of getting, we're kind of throwing haymakers to start this off. If we don't struggle in our walk, and I'm not talking about with doubt or the consequences of sin. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about in the sense of fighting the good fight of the faith, resulting in the suffering of doing good, which evil around us persecutes us or mistreats us, then we ought to examine ourselves. This, this battle that we are in, this light versus dark spiritual battle that we are in is a struggle. It is a knockdown, drag out, all out war. And when we are baptized into Jesus Christ, after we have repented of our sins and turned to Christ and put our trust and faith in him and declared him the Lord of our lives, we enter in a battle that sometimes people are not ready for. And I mentioned this in our last two episodes, but the Apostle Paul, along with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote about his struggles. He went through so many things. And we will have to go through that at one point, but he struggled mightily. And he did it for the sake of Christ and for those who put their trust and faith in him, fellow believers. And we ought to have the same struggle. If you have found a comfortability in your walk with God, then there is a problem. If you are comfortable being the last one in church and the first one out the door, that's also a problem. So you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that as much as this is coming across as bad news, what I'm saying is we ought to be living such holy and righteous lives that it causes unbelievers to feel a little uneasy. We ought to be so alien to this world that it generates a response. And again, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm not boasting because I don't see myself as this, but I've had many people lately tell me, wow, Nate, you've been really on fire for the Lord and you're just, you're a really gracious individual and you're, you're so patient. And I have to be careful with that. I'm going to tell you right now, I need to be careful because I could easily let that get to my head. And I always deflect it back to Christ. I always deflect the glory back to Christ. I said, you know what? I appreciate that, but all the glory goes to him. And so, and I, and I think that's what we ought to do. We need to be grateful and appreciative that people are seeing us in the, in that way. But we also have to give the glory back to who deserves it, and that's Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and go to verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. Okay, there's many things we need to talk about in this verse. We have a lot to unpack here. That their hearts may be encouraged. We need encouragement. And where do we get that encouragement? Well, we get that encouragement from Scripture. The promises, the truths. We also understand that wherever we go, whatever we go through, highs and lows, mountains and valleys, that God is with us through it all. And we ought to be an encouragement to fellow believers as well. We ought to be encouraging people. 
and also encouraging people that are not of the faith as well. Think of the story of the Good Samaritan, where the priests walked by this person that had been brutally attacked, basically on the verge of death. And it was a Samaritan that came over and showed great compassion and took an extremely good care of that person. That's the kind of love and compassion we need to have for one another. But we don't. We we get in our houses, we put a dome over our house, and we cut ourselves off from the world. Because if we put ourselves out there, well, we might get taken advantage of, or people might insult us or persecute us. And we are not called to live a sheltered life. We need to be encouraging other Christians and other people. We have to be encouraging them. And I will also encourage you that if you are talking to unbelievers, be really careful here. You got to be careful who you associate with, who you spend your time with. Because we don't have anything in common with an unbeliever. We ought to be living, again, such a righteous and holy life that it it causes them to question eternity question their stance with God, dig a little deeper. And going on in verse 2, it says, having been knit together in love. That knit together there is such a unique combination. It's not found in Scripture too often. That means to stride together, to unite together. In what? Love. And attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. If you are not sure of your salvation. If you have some doubts, which I will just, again, use that word, encourage you again, that if you have those doubts, sometimes, sometimes those are normal to have a little bit of doubt. But it can only be very temporary. You can't let that fester into something worse because you don't want to be an apostate. But the reality is that I think that some of us at some point in our lives do have a tendency to doubt or to get discouraged. And that's okay. I've been discouraged many times, but I don't, I don't, I don't let it fester there. I don't sit there. I don't dwell on that. I I keep moving forward, but we need to be knit together in love because that's the perfect bond of unity. And attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. The more you understand, the more you're in Scripture, the more you are assured of the saving faith and the saving grace that God gives us. If our salvation was dependent upon us, we would all be eternally damned. That is a guarantee. If salvation were of works, which it's not, we would be all in hell. It's not about the strength that we have to hold on to our salvation. It's the it's the hold that God has on us that will never tire, never grow weary, and he'll never give up. Because who can separate us from the love of God? Absolutely nothing and no one. As we keep going in verse 2, resulting in a tr- true knowledge of God's mystery. Who is God's mystery? That is Christ himself. Okay, we also found that in Colossians 1.26. Now revealed to the saints. That's not revealed to everybody else. What a privilege that is to be a saint, first off, by grace, but a true knowledge of God's mystery. What does that mean? My friends, if you even try to go on the internet and look up Jesus Christ. It's it's bad. It's really bad, and it's difficult, and it's confusing, and it leads you to more doubt than you do have confirmation. And why do I say that? It's because all these religions out there, all these denominations, shed the light on Christ in different ways, and most of them if not all of them, are completely inaccurate. 
false. Whether you're Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, Jehovah's Witness, you go long down the list, they are all false churches. I'm not saying that some of those people are not redeemed out of those churches. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the Catholic Church was founded because elders exalted one elder in particular because they thought that person was holier than the rest, more righteous than the rest. So they exalted that person to a place where they don't deserve to be. And that person that was exalted ought to have stopped that. But no, we, just like Satan did in the fall, and before that, wanted the power. We love the power. We love the glory. We love the honor. That's what the Pharisees were all about. Yet they had the nerve to say that Jesus had the power of Satan to drive out demons, which is completely backwards. But what I'm trying to tell you is a true knowledge of God's mystery. Think of think of everything that's out there. It's so confusing. It's so murky. It's so like, what? What is going on here? And that's why when we're talking about Matthew 7, and I go there all the time now. I I really do. It's it's kind of my go-to for a lot of different things. And in this situation, we're going to be talking about the narrow and wide gates. So verses 13 through 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. This is what we're talking about. That's a false understanding of who Christ is. Because a lot of people claim to follow Christ, but it's not the Christ. It's not the true Christ. Verse 14, this is it right here. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. There's only going to be a few who are truly born again, Christ-following lifelong disciples. And that is a sad reality. And that's why we cannot sit here and be quiet. That's why we can't sit here and not encourage other people. That's why it's so important. Because there are family members, friends, co-workers, even people in our churches that are going to fall in the category of the broad road and the wide gate that leads to destruction. So it's definitely a struggle. You see where the struggle comes in? But the true knowledge of God's mystery, Christ himself, this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And how do you get to know him? You got to open up the word. You got to get in the word. We always talk about it. It seems like every single week. And why do you think I say that? Because it's so important. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's that's the whole point. If you are, if you're in the word and that word is dwelling within you, and you pray the word, you speak the word, you live out the word, my friends, you are going to know the true Christ. Because what is also the mystery? It's not just Christ himself, it's Christ also in you from chapter one. That's amazing. And I'm going to remind you here in a little bit about Christ in you. That's the mystery because something is coming up here in chapter two that is also controversial in some churches. We're going to get there, but I, but just put a little side note here if you're taking notes with us. And this will also be a great time to talk about this too. And I'm kind of going all over the place right now, but if you're listening to this show, especially when we're going through the book of Colossians, and I'm not going to tell you what book we're going to go through next, but God willing, that will come up soon. But if you're listening to this show, two things you need to have, your Bible and a notebook. Now, if you're driving, obviously don't do that. But you should have your Bible and a notebook so you can take notes with us, underline things in your Bible. That's what we should do. Not that I'm some great teacher, but maybe there's something in here that caught your attention, that God has really shown that you need to work on or something he needs you to know. So again, I would encourage you to do that. So we'll get into that here in just a minute. 
So now Christ himself is God's mystery. Verse three, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, first off, I want to read to you something very important. I want us to turn real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Because it says here, in whom, talking about Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But a natural man, talking about a person that does not believe in Jesus Christ, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. It's hidden to those people. Does that make sense? He doesn't not accept the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to him, and they cannot understand them. There it is. What a privilege it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a believer in him, to be a disciple. Because those things are not hidden from us anymore. What are hidden? The treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Real treasure isn't monetary. It isn't cash. It isn't checks. It isn't coins. It isn't diamonds. But it's the wisdom and knowledge only found in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument or persuasive speech. My friends, there are so many controversies out there. There are so many false teachings out there that can lead people astray to bewitch people, and it happens every single day. People that have been following Christ for years, well, let me just say, they think they were following Christ, and they hear certain things, and because their faith is not truly in Him, they are carried away by these false teachings, and, and they will walk away from the church and say, well, I, I don't I don't want to follow Him anymore. That is a very, very terrifying thing. But it says in verse 4, I say this so that no one will delude you. Delude you means to reason falsely, reason contrary to the truth. That's why I keep saying doctrine of demons, people. You can live your best life now. There's many ways to heaven. There's another way and multiple ways to heaven other than Jesus Christ. You can be righteous on your own good deeds. You can be a little God. And if you're a little God, you can have your own kingdom by your own self. I can go on and on. This is the kind of madness and heresy that is out there that it can sweep people away. But because we are true followers of Jesus Christ, because we have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit and Christ himself lives within us, now those hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are ours. And because of that, you cannot be deluded by the works and the teachings of demons or of the devil. Jesus is the truth and there is no other. Holy Scripture contains truth, which is only given to true believers. We can only love and understand truth found in Scripture. The world will try to give false reasons by way of persuasion that sounds convincing, but ultimately is of the demonic and will send you straight to hell, even when all along you thought you were on your way to heaven. That is, that is the truth. So let's go to verse 5. Let's take a look at verse 5. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Okay. Paul obviously is in prison. But he says, I am with you in spirit. And that is one thing that we have as fellow believers in Christ. Even people that we have no idea about. You could have impacted people that you will never know until you get to heaven. For example, let's say you're talking with a stranger. And 
you find out that you have a common faith in Christ and you rejoice in that. And what happens is that person will go from that conversation and they could tell other people about Christ and you will be a beneficiary and a partaker in that blessing and those future conversations with people you never know about. And that is such an amazing thing. Even though we're absent in the body at times, we'll be with people in spirit because we are all connected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. We need to rejoice with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and their progression and their salvation, their sanctification, their good discipline, the stability of your faith. Again, that only comes in Christ. Therefore, verse 6, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. So as we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we need to walk in him. What does that mean, to walk in him? That means continuous, progressive, completely in him, step by step. And I know that sometimes gets challenging and difficult, but that's what we're called to do. Because we have been born again, because we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we have confessed him as our Lord and Master and Savior. And again, we've repented of our sins. Now we walk in him. And I want you to think real quick about maybe someone that you're really, really close to. And most of us, it's our spouses, but it could be anybody, be a really good friend, a brother, sister, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whoever it is. Think about how you got to know them. Was it just seeing them once a year for an hour? No. It's that walking with them, talking with them, getting to know them, what they like, what they don't like, what makes them happy, what makes them sad. I think you know where I'm getting at. And that's the same thing we must do in Jesus Christ. We have such a privilege and an honor to get to know our Savior. Even when He doesn't physically speak to us, but He does speak to us through Scripture. Verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him. That is Sanctification, my people, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Wow, so far we've talked a lot about gratitude and thankfulness in this book, haven't we? I mean, you see it so clearly. You really do. And that's what we need to be. We need to be overflowing with gratitude. Are you overflowing with gratitude? Is that what people can say about you, that you're constantly thankful? Well, I my job has been really terrible lately, and my boss has changed up things up on me, and hey, uh, you know, we had some new management come in, and so it changed up our every single thing, and so now my seniority doesn't matter anymore, and my pay even decreased, and Blah, 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 blah. You can, go, you can go down the list. But are we supposed to be working for man, to please man, or are we supposed to work for, to please God? So no matter what we do, no matter what situation we're going through, we always need to be overflowing with gratitude. And it says, just as you were instructed, I want you to turn with me real quick to Ephesians 4.21. It says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught him just as truth is in Jesus. That is in reference to your former manner of life. We used to not be overflowing with gratitude. We used to be angry, grumpy. I mean, think about, think about people for a minute. When you drive out around, either if you're driving around town, going to work. Now, I'm... I want you obviously to pay attention to the road, but if you're driving around 
you see people all the time. What do their faces look like? What's their attitude like? People lately, I've had people cut me off and do certain things that would invoke a lot of anger, but I'm trying really hard to work on that. And what I've noticed is if I keep myself under control and I'm even waving to the people that are being rude to me, their face completely changes from anger to, oh, okay, I thought this was going to be bad. Now it's not so bad. Now, do we encounter people that are still angry and hostile for no reason? Yeah, absolutely. But we need to be a good ambassador of Jesus Christ to those people. Even when we're wronged, we need to count that as joy. And we need to, to show them grace, mercy, and compassion. It's a hard thing to do because our grace, our mercy, our compassion is very, very limited. But going back to... Verse 7 here, and overflowing with gratitude. This needs to be me. And you know, this is the result of salvation, and that needs to be us. And in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to listen to these, these promises that are found in Him. Discipline, stability, being firmly rooted, built up and established in the faith. That comes through Christ and Christ alone. Look at all those promises. That's what we need. That's what the world needs, but they don't want to come to Christ. That doesn't that shouldn't surprise anybody at this time in history. And matter of fact, it's going to get worse than that. But we're not going to go there. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. That no one takes you captive. My friends, that has intentions of keeping you forever. That's what we're talking about here. Through philosophy and empty deception. Anything outside of Christ is empty deception. And you have to be really careful even in Christ. I'm not talking about him personally. I am talking about those who proclaim to be in Christ. Got to be careful then. You got to be really careful because there was a story of a preacher who had these prophets come into his church, quote unquote prophets. And they said, hey, um, we have a word to speak to your congregation and uh, we would like to we would like to do that as soon as possible. How can we make that happen? Well, the this preacher was ready for him and. So he basically said that, well, as you know in Matthew 7, that I just cannot let anybody come in here and speak to you and divide the flock. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Come to church. Give it about a year. I'll see the fruit of your life. And with discussions with the elders, we'll consider it. He had him right where he wanted him. Now, these people were big, burly, intimidating, and seemingly powerful. But here's the thing. They were trying to take the church captive through philosophy and empty deception, pretending to be a prophet. There are no prophets anymore. No one has special revelation from God that I have to share a word with you. I had someone that I met that tried to tell me that they were working on their ability to prophesy and they were working on other abilities in prayer, having these classes. And I just honestly, at that point, I just kept my mouth shut. I said, oh, really are you now? Okay. And I, I mentioned some things about how that's not the right way to be. And I said it in a really respectful way, but it took every ounce of me not to tell her that that is very, very dangerous ground you're standing on. But I kind of subtly hinted to that direction. But, you know, the reality, my friends, is that people are looking for healings, blessings, feelings, angels working for them. 
a relationship with God because they want him to be the means to their end. But they're, they're just looking for the byproducts of the faith. They're not looking for Christ himself. And if you are with me here, and we're about halfway done with these first 15 verses, but from chapter one till now, we're not seeing that we're not going to get any money from God. He's not going to send angels down to bless us and, and work with us and work deals out for us and give us these properties and Bentleys and mansions. That's not what's happening here. It's all about being in Christ and him and us. That is the true treasure. But people don't want that. They want they want the byproducts. They don't want Christ himself. You have to Christ has to be the the desire. So verse 8 is so so scary. But it doesn't stop there. According to the tradition of men. Whoa. Big problem. There it is. Do you see that? The tradition of men. That is where we fall apart. According to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. It's all about Christ and Him alone. That's it. And where do we fail when we try to make it about ourselves, the traditions of men, rather than Christ? That's the problem. That's why we have denominations. That's exactly it. That is the problem. People cannot let go of the world. They don't want God as their Savior, their Master, their Lord. They want Him to grant their requests. They want Him to be like the Father in the prodigal son, where in the beginning, give me everything that I want. Give it to me now. Give me my share. It's that sense of entitlement where we just disrespect God and treat him like you owe me something. And I got news for you. He is showing you patience and grace right now. By the beat of your heart, the breath that you take. The fact that you woke up this morning is grace. Because he has every single right that we read in Psalm 24. He has every single right to take our lives as we speak. Because he has the sovereignty and the power and the authority over all things, the earth and everything that dwells in it. At any moment, he is justified and taking us whenever he pleases because we are naturally lawbreakers. And yet, his patience, his patience, how patient is our Lord? How patient is our Lord? Look, just take a look for a minute. Look around the world. Look what's going on. And let me tell you something. 2 Peter 3.15, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. It's for salvation. I'm grateful for that patience. But going back to it, let's go to verse 9. For in Him, talking about Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Christ is fully God. And that right there leaves no room for doubt. And in him, Christ, you have been made complete. This is why we're broken. We refuse to come to Christ. We, we love being broken. We love, we love to be in the drama. We love to be in the midst of constant chaos and turmoil. Although people claim that they don't want that. Well, we want peace. Okay, well, how do you get it? Well, I went to this class that says... You, you can meditate and empty your mind completely. Well, you're just opening yourself to demonic attack, truthfully. So, I mean, <laughs> just, we have it so backwards. 
What should we ought to do? Meditate on the word of God. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within us. Nate, you say that all the time. I know that. Why do you think I say it all the time? Because it's so important. Yet we sit here and I don't have peace. I wonder why. Because you don't come to Christ. I don't come to Christ. I think, you know what? Life's going good. We got money in the bank account. Yeah, my cars aren't working that great, but you know what? Everything's still good. God, thank you for blessing me, and we'll see you later. Oh, something bad happened. Lord, it's me again. I mean, it's the same cycle over and over and over again. You need to be in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5. We be walking in him. What did we, we just read it just a little bit ago in verse six. So walk in him, in him. Again, verse nine, in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you've been made complete, verse 10. And he is the head over all rule and authority. My friends, he is the head. He is first. He has the preeminence. He has a superiority over all things, all rule and authority. So some of you do not like our administration right now. Well, guess what? Guess who placed them at that moment in time? Christ did. Christ did. And sometimes we think we have things to do with, with our own hands, that we have some sort of power that, that we can control things in our life. Listen to what Jesus said, talking to Pontius Pilate here, John 19, 11. Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Jesus is clearly telling him right now, You think you're in power because of you? I got news for you. You have no authority over Christ because unless it had been given to you from above. So wherever you're at, maybe you're not in a position of leadership, but you're in charge of something. Count that as a blessing because God bestowed that upon you. He gives you all things. And as much as you may not like it, the people that are in charge of you, unless you're the CEO, but someone has always has a higher authority. The highest authority is Christ. Verse 11, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay, I'm going to stop you right here because this just got weird for some of you. No, we're not actually talking about circumcision, about body parts we're not going to discuss in this podcast. But what I'm trying to tell you is this circumcised word here means to cut off the old life that it's now in Christ. We're born again and now sanctified. With a circumcision made without hands, it's a spiritual miracle of justification by Christ's sacrifice and resurrection. Because it says made without hands. We're not talking about the physical. Now we're talking about spiritual. In the removal of the body of flesh, that's our old sinful nature, our death to self, by the circumcision of Christ. So when we're in Christ, that is when we are made right before God. Because he removes that body of flesh, and now we are in Christ. That's why verse 12 is so crucial. Here we go. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him, through faith, in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now, I'm going to say something here that people need to understand. And remember earlier when I said a little side note that we're going to get to a controversial verse? This is it, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, we are not talking about the physical baptism immersed in water. I know what some of you are thinking. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's what we're talking about. No, it is not. At any point in chapter two, have we talked about water at all? No. What's the mystery of Christ? 
him in us, correct? And him alone, right? Did it say anything about in him with water? No. But that's what we're talking about. This is exactly what we're talking about. It's talking about us being firmly rooted and established and built up in him. In him. Are you seeing in him, in him, with him, with him? This is the theme. We're not talking about physical water baptism. We're talking about spiritual union in Christ. That is where salvation takes place. And some denominations, again, there's that word again, denomination, claim that the only way that you can have the Holy Spirit, the only way you can be regenerated, the only way you can have salvation is if you get baptized. Now, we talked about this before. Is baptism necessary? Absolutely it is. Christ was baptized. He was baptized because he fulfilled all righteousness, not because he was sinful, because he was fulfilling all righteousness. Do you see that, my friends? Do you Are you seeing this? It's not the baptism that saves you. Baptism means to be immersed. You are immersing yourself. You're unionizing yourself with Christ. That is what we're talking about. Buried with him in baptism. We are dead to our old selves. And now we have spiritual union with Christ in which you were also raised up with him through faith. It's not by works. It's grace through faith. Newness of life. Born from above. Through faith in the working of God. That is a miracle. The fact that Christ lives us and he dwells within us. That is a miracle. Talking about the rest of 12 here. Who raised him from the dead? Hmm. Verse 12. Does this sound familiar? Buried with him. Raised up with him. Hmm. Talking about God who raised him from the dead. So, that sounds like the gospel, don't you think? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yes, it is. Listen to verse 13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, listen to this, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Wow. I mean, wow. That is so amazing, isn't it? When you were dead in your transgressions, my friends, before Christ, we were spiritually dead. Like walking zombies. We were dead in our transgressions, spiritually dead to God. And we can only please God in the spirit. So can we please God outside the spirit? No, sir. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you. Are you hearing that? He made you. It's not the things that we do. It's what Christ does. Now, that's not saying that we don't have anything to do with this. We need to put our trust and faith in Christ. We need to fully surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We need to fully repent of our sins with godly sorrow. And we need to walk in obedience. And one of the first acts of obedience is to be baptized, fully submerged in water, which is the representation of the gospel. We're dead to sins, buried, and raised to walk in newness of life. We don't identify as ourselves anymore. Our identity is found in Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ, which we're going to get to here in the next couple chapters. So, be ready for that. Listen to verse 14, though. This, this is so powerful. This is going to get you fired up. If you're not fired up already, this is going to get you more excited. Having canceled out the certificate of death, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. I'm not going to finish 14 just yet. But our sins store up wrath against us. They separate us from God. And here's also the problem. 
you ever had bills that keep coming up and they keep coming to your door, your mailbox, and they keep piling up and maybe you don't have enough money to pay them. So it just keeps stacking and stacking up and stacking up. And what does that do? Does that make you feel at peace? No, that makes you feel anxious and worried and just feels like everything's just overwhelming. Like you're just buried underneath an avalanche. And yet, listen to the rest of verse 14. And he, talking about Christ, listen to this. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Oh, man, that's so powerful. It's canceled. It's it's canceled. He took, he took, uh, you got you to hear me here. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, that means paid in full. He took a big red stamp that said paid in full and he slammed it against all the things that we've ever done and he nailed it to the cross and it says paid in full that is powerful stuff in verse 15 as we wrap up when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities he made a public display of them Woo! having triumphed over them through him i mean Wow. I mean, I I have no words. When I read this for the first time, I I remember where I was. I remember the Bible I was reading having nailed it to the cross. That's what he did. He took all of our sins upon himself and nailed it to the cross. He took our shame, our blame, and he took it upon himself and nailed it to the cross. But death was not strong enough to hold him down because he burst forth out of that tomb as a mighty, conquering, risen Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords. And through him and in him, we have salvation. And as we've went through all of these verses, now we went through a lot, my friends. We went through quite a bit. But again, true knowledge of God's mystery, that's Christ himself. And in Christ are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we need to be careful of many different things. Philosophies, deceptions, Got to be careful of those things. And one thing we also have to be careful as well, persuasive speech and arguments by people. People will tell you all the time, oh, Christ is coming here soon. I have the knowledge. God spoke to me. Got to be careful. But we need in Christ to be disciplined and stability and have be firmly rooted and built up and established in this faith that comes through Christ. We have to be careful that no one takes us captive through those philosophies and empty deceptions because if we're in christ we will not be deceived and in christ all the fullness of deity dwells in him he is god he is god and lastly and certainly not least in christ we are buried with him our union is in him our spiritual union is in, in him, and we have died to ourselves and will forever walk in newness of life in sanctification with him. And how are we to do this? Through faith. It's grace through faith. It's all of grace. In verse 12, buried with him in baptism, Raise up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead as the gospel. And we were dead in our transgressions and the uncircumcision of our flesh, and he made us alive together with him. I mean, did you are you seeing it in him, in him, with him, with him? That is what we need to focus on. Everything is in him, everything is with him, and everything is by him, and everything is for him. That's what it's all about. 
when I'm doing this study with you, this is this is real life stuff. And in him, we are given those hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge and will be disciplined and firmly established and rooted and have stability and built up in, in Christ. I mean, those are just wonderful truths and promises. But we're, we do that with him and in him. That is, that's what it's all about. And if you if you're if you're studying scripture with me right now, guys, you're seeing it so clearly. It's not a mystery. It's right here. And guess what? How do we find out the mystery? We read the word and pray that the spirit gives us illumination of the scriptures. And that's the working of God. It's a miracle and a blessing and an honor and a privilege to have the mind of Christ, to to understand the things of the Spirit of God, because people outside of the Spirit of God cannot understand them. 1 Corinthians 2.14, we read that. And in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord, canceled out a certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he had taken out of the way, nailed it to the cross. And he made a public display of all the rulers and authorities, triumphant over them through Christ. I mean, <laughs> oh, what a Savior. What a grace. What a love. What a privilege and what an honor. And I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, it's it doesn't get any better than that. And here's the thing. We have many, many, many more truths to learn about to discover and i can't wait to get this going with the rest of chapter two and i i truly truly hope and pray that this is a major blessing to you a major blessing because we are not in this for our own glory we are not doing this to make ourselves righteous on our own deeds. We're not doing this for academic purposes. We are doing this out of sheer devotion to Christ, to walk with him, to walk in him, to keep in step with the spirit, to glorify him in all that we say and do, and to to increase in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing it for. It's all for his glory. And the more we read, the deeper we go, the more we come to love and appreciate Christ. And I will also add this, the deeper we go in Christ, the more we find out how wretched we truly are. And that it's it's amazing to me after all these years of believing in him that I need him now more than I ever did. Because I know I can't do it on my own. But what's the theme? In him, with him, in him, with him, in Christ, with Christ. All those promises, all those promises. So as we conclude, I love the Lord. I love his word. I don't love him perfectly. I wish I did. And that's... That's the part of the flesh that is a challenge. But brothers and sisters, we need to keep persevering and we need to understand. And maybe your prayer today is that in Christ, we need to be doing all things in him, with him, for him. Maybe that should be our new our new shirt. <laughs> In him, with him, for him. I don't know. That sounds pretty good. But that's the theme of the whole entire Bible. In Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. That's it. It doesn't get any simpler than that. But what has man tried to do through persuasive speech, through... 
all these different ways. We try to deviate from God's way, which is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. So I want to thank you for joining me today. I do pray that this episode and this series of the book study of Colossians is a major blessing to you. And God willing, next week we will finish up Colossians, the second chapter, in which we will go through verses 16 through 23. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you all.